Hello and welcome to Life Save Her, the podcast. This is a podcast for all of my women, men you can listen to, but for all of my women to come get a weekly dose of some self-care, some self-help, and tips to live the life that you desire. I'm your host, Brittany A. Johnson. I want to set this disclaimer. While I am a licensed mental health counselor and I am going to be talking about mental health and life-related topics, this is not a substitute for therapy. This is an addition, this is a bonus, this is that kind of added support so that you have what you need in and outside of session. If you need a therapist, I encourage you to reach out to different therapists in your area, or you may also email me to get a list of therapists that I may recommend. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. Today I want to talk about attachment styles, theories, and kind of all things related. So to start, let's start with what the Webster's definition of attachment is. So for this podcast and for this episode, we're going to be talking about attachment in terms of affection or fondness or sympathy for someone or something. So when you think about that, what I mean or what we're talking about today is really looking at how we attach to things, how we attach to people, um, how attachment is formed, And it's kind of general things in that nature. So in the psychology world, we look at attachment to be from the lens of if you have affection to something, um, if you have a desire to be around this person or this thing, if you have an emotional connection to this person or this thing or this situation, that's what we talk about in terms of psychology when we mean attachment. And so what does that look like? How is it formed? So in general terms, attachment in terms of connection to people is formed at birth or actually is formed in utero. So you will hear many women as when they are pregnant um, begin to talk about the way that they talk to their baby or the connection that they have to their babies while they're still in utero. So even before a baby enters this world, many moms and fathers as well especially if the father is very connected to the mother um, and is excited about being a father even if they're not excited that there's this attachment that starts to be formed even then and then when you have your child or you have the baby or you are the guardian of the baby because we do know that there are women who give birth to babies and then for whatever reason you know someone else is taking care of them Or, you know, sometimes people are just caregivers of babies just for different reasons, right? So as soon as a child is born, the attachment is beginning to be formed. So we know that the most important time in a child's life is birth to five. But what we don't often talk about is that the the even more important for that in that arena is birth to kind of those first few months, right? Because in those first few months is when babies are learning the most about attachment they don't have words yet right they don't have thoughts and feelings that they've formed but they do know that if they cry a healthy attachment or secure attachment someone's going to come and, and pick them up someone's going to kind of tend to their needs they learn that if they look at you in a certain way that you are going to respond as well accordingly and so attachment is formed and started even at that young of an age And it's crucial for babies to have this attachment because we know now in the psychology world and the therapy world or the human services help, whatever field you want to call it, we do know that when people don't have good attachments, 
that it leads to lifelong struggles with relationships, with jobs, with interpersonal skills, just lifelong struggles in general. And we didn't have this information, you know, forever, right? We've recently begun to learn about attachment and its importance, probably within, I'm going to say the last 30, maybe 40 years. Yes, there were people talking about it prior to that, but it was not really talked about in terms of mental health prior to that. So you would hear people talk about from a medical standpoint, right? Like if a mom was attempting to breastfeed, you know, they would make comments about the baby not latching and the baby not being attached or the baby not wanting to be held or in some cases, baby wanting to be held too much. So we knew people were talking about attachment in those regards. But again, not really looking at it in any type of detail or in anything related to kind of the psychology and mental health. But when we think about it now and we look at what we know now, we know that a lot of babies, or not a lot of babies, all babies start to form those attachments right away. As soon as they come out of their parents' womb, they are forming that attachment. Uh, again, I mentioned already that they're looking at, you know, if they cry, someone's coming. They know that, you know, with the secure attachment or with with being born, that, it, you know, people are going to feed you, right? Or people are going to tend to you. People are going to pay you some type of attention. And that's the way that those attachments are formed. So if you think about in terms of like if you have a baby who is in a situation for whatever reason, we used to kind of limit it to things like a parent being, you know, a drug user or a parent just not being, you know, present. But we also now know that it's for whatever reason. So even moms who are sick or have a rough recovery. Um, if they aren't able to begin to hold their babies, begin to look into their baby's eyes and form the, you know, form those bonds and those attachments, that it does lead to problems later in those relationships. I'm not saying that it can't be overcome and that things can't change and be better, but we do know, you know, that that does happen. That if the baby is not forming any type of attachment or connection to anyone in those first few days, of how harmful it can be later on in their lives. So that's why you see people, especially here recently, we've really been doing a great job of making sure that, you know, moms and babies or dads and babies are doing those kind of, you know, koala bear or whatever. They, I forgot the actual term they use where you're putting the baby, you know, skin to skin on your chest or, you know, so they can hear your heartbeat or they can start to form that, that bond. It's also, again, done by making sure that we are tending to those babies' basic needs. And so doing those little foundational things seem like they're just kind of common sense or minuscule, but they really do go a long way in terms of helping people have good attachments. And so if that doesn't happen, you start seeing things like maybe the baby cries more or maybe you have a situation where the baby's not crying at all. Right. Or you have a situation where people aren't kind of, you know, doing anything at all to form those connections with babies, to form those connections with pets, just in general. So when we're thinking about kind of attachment we're really talking about those emotional connections or those emotional bonds to people to pets to kind of you know anything that's kind of in our world i just mentioned that people have these kind of attachments to pets as well you might even run into and encounter people who find it easier to have an attachment or a bond with their pets than they do over people and that's for various reasons that we'll get into maybe in this episode or maybe in the coming episodes. And we'll get into talking about kind of how that is and why that happens and how that happens. But just remember that, you know, attachment is, is that emotional connection. Yes, there's a physical piece as well, but this is more about that emotional connection. And then we really kind of see the attachment show up when a caregiver or a romantic partner or the person you have this attachment with when they leave and come back. 
So you can see the attachment kind of when someone's in the presence. And for today's episode, we're going to kind of stick to using the example related to children attachment because it's easier to kind of talk about that before we get into the layers of what it looks like in our adult lives and in relationships. So for today, we're just, again, we're going to kind of stick to talking about it, what it looks like with in children, especially for those of us who are moms, that maybe we can be able to see where, you know, how we attach to our own mothers and then how our kids are attached to us or not attached to us. Now, an extra disclaimer here that this is not meant to make you question if your attachment style is appropriate or not. This is just more that general information about what attachment is, what attachment styles are, or the four common types of attachment styles, and just kind of just a little bit of general information about about that and in that category so when we look at looking if someone is there and then they leave and then they come back that is when you can start to see what does the attachment look like what is this person's reaction to their caregiver being gone what is your reaction to your caregiver being gone right so how how do you act when you aren't with 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 your kids how do your kids act when they're not with you and you all get back together So depending on the response is how we start looking at what the attachment style may be. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But before then, I just want to make sure that we talk about that attachment um, is about, it establishes kind of three main things. Number one, it establishes that safety, both emotional and physical. So if we mention about, you know, feeding, making sure that your baby is fed or that you're feeding or tending to your child or even your puppy if you have a new puppy so tending to them when they're when they have a need as opposed to kind of making them wait too long you know builds that safety both emotional and physical because it teaches you and it teaches your your the person you're attaching to that you are going to be there even if you're not there right there in the moment that you are going to have their back you are going to show back up and you're going to you know be around it also establishes that trust so again to know that someone has your back So you can see this with little kids where, you know, you might see them playing, but every so often they'll look up and see where their mom or their dad is or their caregiver where they are. And then, you know, they may go right back to playing or they may do something differently. So it builds that trust, but then it also builds that confidence, right? So when you know that someone has your back or when you know that someone's in your corner, that someone is going to take care of your needs when you can't, it really gives you a confidence and a foundation to go out and try new things. And to feel secure and confident and safe in yourself to do so. Have you ever seen someone who's scared to do things and they're always kind of looking for approval? It could be something related to their attachment style, but it could be something else. So you're just really looking at at those things in terms of what does what does emotional attachment, what does attachment do? What are the three things? Again, it's that safety, that trust and that confidence. So what are the attachment styles? So the most four common attachment styles are secure, anxious slash resistant, avoidant, and disorganized. So what does that mean, right? Because that just sounds like a bunch of words at this point. So when we know when we what we know about secure attachment is that is kind of the ideal attachment that we want our children to have, that we want to have, we want our partners to have, and that means that you know that you are safe. You don't have questions about if someone is going to leave you and never return. You're not questioning if someone is going to be trying to hurt you. You're not you're just kind of not questioning any of those things. Again, you just know that you are okay in your skin. You're okay whether someone is in your face or they're not in your face. When you think about your kids, if you're if you are a mom or if you're a dad too, when you're looking at your children to know that there's secure attachment there, 
you'll be noticing that your kids don't necessarily need you around. Not that they don't want you around, but they're okay if you have to leave to go to work or you leave and go in another room. They're able to continue doing whatever activity they're doing or continuing about their day without being worried or nervous that you're not coming back. And then when you do return, they're able to kind of give you a nice hug, a nice smile, and again, go right back to doing what they're doing. They're not too concerned with if you are never coming back or if you are coming back and it's very healthy you can see it kind of all over you and all over them that there's just a sense of calmness that's there there's not much tension or things like that going on so that's a secure attachment now i said that's ideal simply from the psychological standpoint because we know with the secure attachment it typically means you have a good balance of missing someone but knowing that you're okay regardless And so not everyone has secure attachment. And again, that's for various reasons. And this is not to, you know, say that your attachment style is wrong or that something's wrong with you or you're defective. This is just in general giving you that kind of overview about the attachment styles. And then next up, we have that anxious or resistant. So that is the attachment style that's kind of frightened by separation. And they stay anxious even when their parent returns or you stay anxious even when you return to your kids. So that is you can see kind of a kid that's just kind of like constantly asking like, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Or you're constantly looking for your kids and kind of not really letting them do much on their own. Now, I'm not talking about when you're in a situation where there might be a safety or you're in a large group. I'm talking just in general terms of like you go to work, but you're constantly worried about your kids. Or even when you get back home and they're just in a separate room, you know, you're constantly worried. Or on the flip side, you see your kids are doing the same thing. So your kids are constantly worried about what's going on. Next up, we have what we call the avoidant attachment style. And that style is kind of one where, you know, they don't respond either way or you don't respond either way. So you, you know, drop your child off at daycare. And when you come back, like they don't care that they're being dropped off at daycare. Not that they're just like, oh, hey, I see my other caregiver. So I'm going off to be excited. They literally just kind of just kind of there. They look they might look numb or you might look numb or feel numb. And then when you come back and return, it's kind of the same. They're just kind of like, hmm, you're here or you aren't here. Either way, it's no big deal. It's whatever. We're fine. I'm fine. Or maybe they're actually not fine. We don't necessarily know until you start having conversations to see what's going on. What we do know from a trauma standpoint is that later on in life, people will describe um, things like that they you know, were avoiding or they didn't want to attach because they were afraid of the rejection or they knew, right? They'll say things like, I knew for a fact that eventually that person would abandon me or eventually that, you know, they, they might be gone and, you know, what's the point of getting attached to them? But when you're younger or when you're in the thick of it with you and your child, you may not necessarily know why that is. We do know again that as adults, our attachment styles are also formed when we are children. So you may have grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of emotional space for you to have a different type of attachment. So you learn to just kind of do what we typically call that go with the flow. But there's a balance and a line that's really, really thin between are you going with the flow or are you almost like disassociating and just not even caring in general either way. So that one is one that's really kind of tricky because for a lot of us, when we, especially when we describe ourselves as people who can go with the flow, we're people who, you know, don't need, we're low maintenance, we don't need much. We may actually have that avoidant attachment style where we really are just trying to avoid attaching to somebody because we don't want to be hurt. 
but we've learned to kind of mask it or play it off as we're just nonchalant. So that attachment style, you know, honestly, is one that I'm constantly curious about because, again, that line is so fine between are you secure so you're nonchalant or are you nonchalant because you're afraid of what might happen if you do attach? So, you know, that's that's one, too. We kind of see that one show up a lot. Um, like I mentioned earlier, if you have a situation where you gave birth to your baby and for whatever reason you couldn't attach to them right away, maybe you were sick and, you know, not, re- you know, maybe in a coma, we're going that drastic, not necessarily drastic because it does happen. But for whatever reason, you were unable to attach to your baby or your baby was unable to attach to you, we can kind of see that avoidant, you know, pers- that avoidance attachment style show up. And then lastly, we have what we call that kind of disorganized style. And that one is kind of where you are acting odd when, you're, when your caregiver returns. So you're acting odd when your child returns or your child's acting odd when you return. You're acting odd when your parent returns. If you're an adult and you're listening, you know, that's where you kind of, they, they're present but you might even like be aggressive with them because you're almost like you're mad that they left you and now they're back, right? So that one can look different and can show up in different ways. And I haven't really found that there's a, a, a distinct or one reason why someone may have that disorganized style. I suspect that a lot of it goes into what they have witnessed in their own lives as, as children or what your parents witnessed in their lives when when they were children or just other environments that they grew up in that kind of gives you that kind of disorganized style where you miss your parent or you miss your child or you miss your person, but you're not really sure how to express it. So you kind of get a little bit aggressive or, you know, you're a little bit more um, physically reactive to them coming back again, almost like you're mad that they left. And so you've got to hit them because now you're, you know, you're back or they hit you because you're back. So that one looks different for different people, but that's kind of that general characteristics of what these different attachment styles mean. So if you're listening and you have identified yourself in one of these categories, again, as I mentioned earlier, this isn't to say that your style is is right or wrong or that something deeply is wrong with you. But if you notice that you were in one of these styles and you're not comfortable with it, I do definitely want to encourage you to reach out to a professional Uh, to go ahead and do some more digging to see like is that really your attachment style or is it just something that you're feeling in this moment and then you know making changes that you want to make because there are things you can do to change your attachment style and then some of those kind of high level things that you can do to change that is you know really looking at what do I need to feel safe what do I need to give myself first because you know most people listen to this podcast are adults so as an adult what do I need to give myself first So that I know I'm okay. Because again, remember, attachment is going back to that safety, that trust, and that confidence. So what do I need for myself? Do I need more affirmations? Do I need more journaling? Do I need to do additional self-care things? So really looking at what are the things I need to do in order for me to feel good? If it's that anxious, resistant, what do I need to do to calm down my central nervous system? Because we know from the other episodes That anxiety is tied to that central nervous system. So what do I need to do to fix my my anxiety? You know, what is needed there? If it's that avoidant, really, again, looking at am I nonchalant because I'm secure or am I nonchalant because I'm disassociating, meaning I'm, you know, kind of in a really deep, I don't care, it doesn't matter stance. Am I afraid that something's going to happen? So really kind of looking at what's going on there and then again, returning to that What do I need to do to feel safe and secure? What do I need to give myself first before I start asking people around me to give me something? 
And then for that disorganized, really looking at what is going on this morning that's making me want to be physically reactive to this person. Again, what do I need to give myself? What do I need in order to feel safe and to feel confident? But overall, just wanted to give you a general overview of what these attachment styles look like and how they kind of can show up in terms of those this general sense. In the coming episodes, we're going to kind of get into detail about how they show up in our relationships, how they show up in our jobs, and things like that. But for this episode, we're just sticking to giving you kind of the foundation of what they are so that when we do move into the deeper, you'll kind of already have your work and knowledge of what you're looking for. Now, I do want to make this last announcement before we wrap up today. I am starting a free Facebook group called Life Save Her. So if you would like to join that group, and I hope that you will, come on over to Facebook and join the Life Save Her pod, uh, podcast group where we're going to continue the discussions about what we're talking about in the episodes. We're going to continue them and I'm going to be in there answering questions if you have them and just providing additional support. So find that that group on Facebook. I'm also going to link it in the description for the podcast episode. But I hope that you'll come over. I hope that you'll join and I hope that you'll contribute to these conversations on this episode and any of the other ones that we've already listened to and the ones coming out. Until next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found the episode insightful and helpful to you on your journey. As you all know, podcasts are rated by the number of subscribers and the ratings that they receive. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this at and also leave a rating and a comment. I welcome all comments. Also, make sure you head over to the different social medias, Instagram at Brittany A. Johnson LMHC, Facebook at Brittany A. Johnson, and even on LinkedIn at Brittany A. Johnson LMHC, and follow so you can stay connected to what's going on. Talk to you soon.